Hello, this is Gaz Coombs. Uh, you're on Six Pack with Gareth and Ryan. I've got time for one more round and a six pack to go. Six pack. One six pack to go. Welcome back to Six Pack, a podcast in which a couple of old drinking buddies share some favourite tunes and a six pack of beer. We'll choose a year, spin six tunes and down six beers. I'm Gareth, and you dirty sod, you fucking rotter. It's Ryan. <laughs> this episode, we'll be playing music from... 1976. It's 1976, I'm trying to place that, um, you dirty sod. It, obviously, it's uh, from... It's the Bill Grundy show when the yeah. Sex Pistols went on there. Oh, it's had the filth and the fury and all that business that when they the, that went on the swore in the interview. Yeah, so it was pre-9 o'clock, so yeah. uh, early evening show, and they went on Bill Grundy and started going, You dirty fucker. What a clever <laughs> What a fucking rotter. He was drunk and being yeah. all Larry with it. Have you seen that clip before? Uh, yeah, it's yeah, famous. It's yeah. And it would have been um, outrageous to swear on British TV yeah, back so. then. So we're doing 1976. We have a very special guest for this episode, we Gareth. We do. We've got guest again. It's a great one, isn't yeah. it? Oh, amazing. Um, yeah. And let's give a little clue. His tune was recorded in 1976, but released on an album in 1977. Correct. So we thought we've done 77 for yeah. before, so let's go for 76 because it's yeah. a good year. Should we reveal who it is? Yeah. It's Gaz Coombs from Supergrass. Oh, I love Supergrass. Oh, amazing. Massive fan of them. Amazing songwriter. Fantastic. His new stuff is excellent as well. Yes. His new solo record he's got out at the moment is really cool. Yep, and he's coming out here and doing a tour. He's doing three dates. Go to Frontier Touring to check the dates out. And he's supporting Robbie Williams as yeah. well. So we'll talk Aside about that. from that. Yeah, we'll talk a bit, a bit more about that later on. But yeah. uh, very cool. I'm happy about that one. The tune he picked, if you think of um, Supergrass, were lobbed in with the Britpop set. And I always thought with them that they didn't wear their influences as obviously as some of the other bands did on their sleeve. Like you'd say... Oasis was obviously the Beatles, Blur were obviously the Kinks. But when you hear the song he picked, I mean, oh, yeah, okay, I can I can hear well, that. I think they evolved a bit as they went through. So they yes. started off more cheeky and chirpy and then got more, um, you know, more, some of the records were a bit more garagey, some of them were a bit, yeah. bit more crouchy or something like that. Yeah, uh, so we're going to get to that a little bit later. Yeah. What about these beers? We've got some strange old beers. The reason we missed a week, actually, apologies for everyone, I was in um, Sydney last weekend. Yep. And you went to the Four Pines Brewery there. I did there. go to the Four Pines Brewery. And we're drinking Four Pines. So Four Pines is in Manly um, on uh, in Sydney Harbour. Gareth, this beer is called, what is it called? It's called Why Is There Seaweed In My, My beer. beer. That's the name of the beer. And there's <laughs> a picture of a cow farting underwater. <laughs> okay. You see that? Yeah. So I read the spiel because this says, is a good one. Yeah, it says, we've added nori seaweed to this Tassie-inspired brew in celebration of this amazing work. What do you mean amazing work, right? There's also a Sea Forest logo on this Four Pines can. So oh, it's, yeah. like, it's dual branding. Yeah. And it says, Sea Forest are in the business of cultivating solutions to climate change through asparagopsis seaweed. Livestock produce methane, which oh, yeah. contributes 16% of global 
Greenhouse emissions, animals whose diets contain sea forest seaweed will have methane reduced up to 98%. <laughs> God, that's a mouthful. Are you going to be so able to doing, edit that too? That's all right. So, it so, makes sense. Do, so are our greenhouse emissions going to be lower today if we're not going to be so uh, might, our methane might, produ- production will be lower? We might be a, a little bit, little less gassy, <laughs> do you think? Actually tastes good, doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't taste seaweedy, but that's good. Yep. And it's four, it's 4%. I like Four Pines a lot. It's great. Yep. And the tagline is good beer that gives back. Cool. And thanks again to our sponsors, Bintani. Bintani supply hops, pot, and yeast to the beer industry. Make Bintani your partner in taste and quality. Good stuff. So 1976. Yep. Before you were born. Yep. I was around. I was five years old. Yep. You want to know what the biggest thing that happened to me in 1976? I dread to think. My circumcision. <laughs> 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 there was a little bit of me left behind in North Staffordshire General Hospital. <laughs> That's what happened to me in 76. Imagine having to go, go through that as a, as a five-year-old. Are you joking? No. What? <laughs> you are joking. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. <laughs> Look at your face. You got circumcised. At the age of five, yeah. I'm assuming you're joking. mm I'm not, I, I, when I came back from hospital, I had to go to school in the kilt for a while. And I'm not joking. <laughs> Obviously, you're joking. I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. What's going on? Uh, no, just that, that's what happened. That was my big event. I was into Doctor Who and I got circumcised. That was not my 1976. <laughs> I'm just worried, like, when fans of Supergrass. <laughs> Tune in to hear an interview with Gaz Coombs and they hear about your circumcision story. Oh, they can fast forward through that bit. Go to yeah. halfway through the show and you get it. You don't yeah, have to. Yeah, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure you can't circumcise a five-year-old. Of course you can. It was quite common. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, can, can, serious. You, can you remember it? I can remember the aftermath. Yeah. I, I, don't, are you, I don't know if you're joking. I'm not joking. I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, this is like regression <laughs> therapy. <laughs> no, it's fine. Oh it wasn't. There was no issue to it. And then you know, Neil Jones up the road had it done, and I had it done. It was quite common back then for in Britain and in and in the US. I'm speechless. Wow. But no. we just had to go to school in the kilt. Imagine that. That was the worst thing about it. <laughs> you, I'm not sure if you're making this up. You got circumcised at age five and yeah. you went to school in a kilt. Yeah. In Whilst the bandage was, the bandage was still on. And uh, was so, it painful? Did they uh, give you an anaesthetic? Oh, yeah. I was, I was under. I wasn't, like, yeah. I wasn't there whilst they were snipping away. <laughs> I was... It was an operation. I, I, I still, I'm still not sure if this is true or not. Well, I could show you if you want. Uh, no, 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 thanks. No, thanks. And um, Brotherhood of Man won the uh, Eurovision Song Contest. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can. I'm not sure I can go on. You can't carry on. I'm not sure. So yeah, that's what my big event was. Hasn't affected me at all. I'm fine. No. The whole thing wasn't a joke. It was true. But, um, oh, okay. right. All right. Let, let's move on to something a bit more. Um, <laughs> let's get our minds <laughs> out of toilet humour. So big things in the news then. Apple was founded in 1976 by Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak and Ronald Wayne. And funnily enough, so was Microsoft. The same really? Year. Yeah. Microsoft was um, registered in that year yeah. as well. So both those things. Technology-wise, VHS 
came out for the first time as well. Yeah. And Concord flew for the first time, which oh, we mentioned yeah. in our 2000 episode when the final one went. So Yeah. A couple of cracking um, debut albums. Blondie put out their first album oh, yeah, in 1976. Right. Okay, good one. And one of the biggest songs of the 70s, Hotel California by the Eagles got right, okay. released. That song for me, I went to Vietnam. I got on a taxi and it was a scam taxi. Oh, yeah. Where the meter was just like, you know, rolling through the roof. And oh. I got in and, and he started playing Hotel California. <laughs> and it's about a seven-minute song and we were up to like 40 bucks right. by the end. And I had to like stop him and jump out. So that's what <laughs> I associate Hotel California <laughs> with. quite funny. Yeah. The Montreal Olympics happened mm-hmm. in 76. Princess Anne Competed in it, oh, you know. She, she on did a horse. The, on a horse. She, she, she does a show jump and whatever. She won a gold medal, didn't she? I, know, I can't remember if she won a medal yeah. that time, but um, she was the only female athlete at the games to not have to do what? Uh, curtsy to the queen? <laughs> no, not quite. Nah. Oh, I don't know. Have a passport or something to yeah. enter? Have a sex test. Everyone else had to test. What? Everyone else because of the, all the Russians in there with their, uh, yeah, you know. Shot porters with hairy bollocks and that. Yeah. Females. Um, they all had to be sex tested for estrogen or whatever it would be. It wouldn't be. They didn't wouldn't, test her. Wouldn't make any difference um, riding a horse as a man or a woman, would it? It doesn't matter. You're competing as a particular gender. So they right. had to, they had to okay. check that everyone who said they were female were female. Okay. And funnily enough, yeah. uh, Bruce Jenner was one of the oh, competitors. Who's a pole vaulter? Was that right? Yeah, I, I think so. Had now. Yeah. Caitlin Jenner. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I didn't actually know. I think he was Paul Paul Volta. Did he win a silver medal or something? I don't know. I've not been keeping up with the... I can't say I know know much about the Kardashians, but I I know that they were all, like, they were all pretty ugly when they were um, little kids. Like, they've just had so much surgery. Yeah, right. Okay. You know, just pumped full of whatever. And Caitlin Jenner obviously has. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the kids, like, they were... You know, I don't even know. I, we, I think we know who Kim Kardashian is, but there's the other ones. Just passed me by, to be honest. Yeah, the other ones. And they, um, if you've got heaps of money, you can yeah. become reasonably attractive, so it seems. Mm. What about the films that came out, Gareth? Should we go okay. there yet? We can do that. Let yeah. me just give you a little quiz then, as yeah. I have done before. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to play you some snippets of some movie music. Okay. To see if you can guess which movies these came from. Yeah. All right. See if you know where this one came from. There was a scene in the movie where the girls were all doing uh, like aerobics kind of thing. Yeah. Push, two, three, four. Yeah. School girls. Nah. Oh, Centrinians? No, that's nice. from Carrie. The film Carrie. Oh, is that a Stephen Sp- King movie? Stephen King book? Yeah. yeah. Uh, with Sissy Spacek as Carrie, okay. which is fantastic. I think you've played that before, Gareth. That's from The Omen. The Omen, which is another yeah. fantastic horror film from back that then. That came out in 76 as yeah, well. Yeah, it did, okay. yeah. So how about, how about this one? 
What's that from? You look at me. You look oh, at taxi, me. taxi driver. You looking at me? Yeah. I was going to mention that. Yeah. I actually rewatched that the other day. Great um, film. De Niro and, um, you know, Jodie Foster, Sybil Shepherd. Yeah. Hey, do you know, I heard an um, interview with De Niro. You know the um, the mohawk, how he shaved the mohawk? Mm. Do you know that was actually fake? Right. Yeah. He had to film another. Uh, he was on, in, uh, under contract to film another movie, yeah, right? right? And they wouldn't let him shave a mohawk. So it's fake, yeah, believe it or not. I'll have to yeah. rewatch it, see if I can uh, see yeah. the seams. Jodie Foster was just a kid, isn't it? Well, she had a busy year. So you want to be a boxer in the golden ring? Can you punch like a southbound freight train? Tell me just one thing. Move in a word like a hummingbird swing if you need to. Ooh, that's fast. Yeah, you bob, can you weave, can you fake and see when you need to? Well, you might as well quit if you haven't got it. So you wanna be. Is that from Bugsy Malone, Gary? Yeah. So Jodie Foster was in yeah. Taxi Driver. Yeah. She was in Freaky Friday. Remember that one? No, that was some Halloween thing, right? No, it's when she changes. Uh, it's one of those body change things. So oh, she, beca- oh, she becomes she oh, becomes a mum, and a mum becomes oh, her. One of those. Really? Things. Yeah, that's a um, old Hollywood trope. Yeah, that one is. Yeah, and she was in um, Bugsy Malone. Bugsy so. Malone. Hey, wasn't Scott Bayo in that? I can't remember. I think I mean, he it was. was. Kind of a bit creepy, like kids playing grown ups and yeah, gangsters in yeah. Um, is it in Chicago or yeah, well, it's they're playing it's Chip- kids playing gangsters. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna look at. Let's see if we know any of the cast. See where they are now. Jodie Foster played Tallulah. Scott Bayo played Bugsy. Yeah. Dexter Fletcher as Babyface down and out. Yeah. There you go. All right, let's get. Um, I should play a song. Okay. I? All right. What am I gonna say about this one? I think I played a song by this band. In the first season that we did, I have to play it again because it's such a cracking tune. Yeah, number one, song one. Looking to the sky 
so no one's answering well, Can't you just let it ring a little longer, longer, longer Oh, I'll just sit tight Through shadows of the night Let it ring forevermore was Jeff Lynn and ELO with Telephone Line. Yeah, what do you think of that one? It's yeah. Very, very 76, isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was Wings, first of all, but obviously they've got a similar kind of uh, heritage, really, haven't they? That's yeah. beatles thing. I'm reading here, it says the lyrics are about a man listening to the ringing on his telephone, waiting and hoping for a girl to answer his call mm. and imagining what he'd say if she answers. Mm. I've been there. Yeah. Speaking of the Beatles, you know Mal Evans? Oh, yeah, you've mentioned him before. It yeah. to do with Apple Records, wasn't he? Well, he was. He was initially a bouncer at the cavern. Yeah. And then he sort of became the, I don't know, dog's body for the Beatles. Okay. Hanging out with them. Yeah. You know, scribing their lyrics in the studio. Okay. Playing the odd instrument here and there when they needed an extra pair of hands. Yeah. Okay. He was on that Get Back um, doco. Yeah. Quite, featured quite heavily. Um, he was shot dead in 1976. Holy shit, by who? The police. In what city? Uh, LA, I think he yeah, was. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously in England they don't have, the cops no. don't have guns, do no. they? No, so he was having a bit of an episode, I think. Yeah. Brandishing some kind of air rifle. Who was he? Obviously the Beatles were done and dusted in 76. Yeah. Was so he-, he was down and out. Whilst he was working for the Beatles, they paid him like £38 a week. That's not which much. He, no, which is equivalent of like yeah. 300 bucks a week or something. Yeah. Um, for the duration of his time with them. So he didn't really make much money. But he, what he did make money from was he had the – he kept books of the lyrics that they'd written down. Oh, yeah, wow. And sold those, whether he sold them or whether his um, yeah. family did later They probably on weren't worth that much in 76, but now yeah, they'd now, be yeah. going for an absolute bloody fortune. Yeah, yeah. So he played the hammer on Maxwell Silver Hammer, for okay. instance. So that's uh, Mount yeah. Evans. So he was shot in 1976, yeah. yep. Should we talk about other deaths? Yep, go on. Okay, so uh, Agatha Christie died. Right. Solomon Joel Cohen died. Who's that? Better known as <laughs> Sid James. Sid James. Was he, was, he, was he Jewish? Yeah. A South African Jew? South African Jew. Jewish, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That would have been unusual. Yeah, so he died on stage. He was one, another one of those people who died on stage. Yeah, doing what he loved. Doing what he loved, so yeah. he was acting. Um what was the um the sitcom? Was it Man About? No, not Man Bless About. Bless This House. Bless This House. I used to watch that. Bless This House, yeah. He so had the hippie son, didn't he? Yeah. It's, so quite, it was, it's quite funny. He was still making that when he died. So, okay. Um, 76. His son, yeah, Steve James, mm. is a record producer. I think he's based up in Byron Bay these days, but I think he's definitely based in Oz. Right, okay. Or was. And he worked with the Sex Pistols, bizarrely enough. He worked on the great rock and roll swindle stuff. Not, like in the 70s? Yeah. 
Yeah, so wow. the later Sex Pistols, when they weren't really the Sex Pistols, yeah, when, they okay. did that, when they did that sort of film a, a bit later, he yeah. did some of that stuff in there. So there you go. Good fact. Mm. So we talked about Montreal Olympics before. We talked yeah. about um, If You Want to Be a Boxer, that song. Okay, there was a very strange fight that happened in 1976. Yeah. Have you heard about the War of the Worlds? No. You're talking about boxing? Yeah. Okay. So this is Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Versus a Japanese wrestler. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It was um, boxing versus uh, um, like karate. And versus wrestling. Yeah. He was a wrestler. Yeah. And Anoki. Yeah, Gareth, he, the um, the Japanese guy just stayed on his back yeah, the whole time. You've seen it then. It's, I watched it this afternoon. I, I actually haven't seen it. I just know about it. I watched it this afternoon. It's yeah. fascinating. I'm going to get on YouTube after this we'll, and watch I'll it. Put though. A link, I'll put a link in the, mm. um, in the show notes. Um, so he stayed in his back, so Muhammad Ali couldn't get a punch in. The idea yeah. was that the wrestler was allowed to wrestle yeah. and the boxer was allowed to box. Yeah. And he just, literally, yeah, he just laid down on his back and tried to kick him all the time. If Muhammad Ali was about to belt <laughs> me, I'd probably do the same thing, <laughs> wouldn't yeah. you? Uh, it was very strange. Yeah. Worth a watch, though. Okay, it's out on YouTube. I'm going yeah. to check it's that out. The War of the Worlds. Yeah. Why would he bother doing that? He was the world champ at the time. It's not like he had anything to prove. Yeah. 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 Strange one. Some TV shows that were introduced for the first time. Charlie's Angels. Yep. One of my favourite TV shows. Quincy. Yes, yeah, yeah. The Muppet Show was on TV for the first time. Did that debut in 76? 76, Well, yeah. that's a good one, Gareth, because there's a famous Supergrass uh, film clip. Yes. Where it's very inspired by the Muppets, and we actually talk- we talk a bit about that. Talk up. to Gaz about that yeah, one. Yeah, So Muppets have featured a little bit recently, yeah. haven't they? So. And they were- They're just- so um, ubiquitous in our childhoods. Is yeah. that the right term? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Your favourite TV show started, George and Mildred. Oh, hey, hey, <laughs> Gareth, that was a spin-off of Man About the House. It was, yeah. I did used to watch that. Youth of Joyce. Yeah. She was an alcoholic. Right. Um, well, you'd have to be to be with him. <laughs> Another TV show that I've done yeah. if you'd have seen it. You may have seen it if you, when you lived in the UK, but uh, Multicoloured Swap Shop. Which Never was, heard of it. Which is a Saturday morning TV show yeah. with Noel Edmonds. Do you know who Keith Chegwin is? Nah. Okay, this is for the UK listeners. Yeah. Uh, I know who Noel Edmonds is. Right. Yeah. So Noel Edmonds, and he was the main sort of presenter on it, and Keith yeah. Chegwin was on it. And there's a funny connection between Keith Chegwin and Billy Bragg, which I was mm-hmm. looking into today. I just I went on a little uh, sidetrack. This is not really to do with 76, but Keith Chegwin, who all the UK listeners will know who Keith Chegwin is, has a twin brother okay. called Jeff. Yeah. Jeff Chegwin was playing football with Billy Bragg oh. at the time that Billy Bragg went off to do the John Peel thing. And yeah, In yeah. fact, it was Jeff Chegwin who suggested that he did it, and he became he's his agent. He became his agent. Oh, after okay. That. So football buddies who became, and he became his agent. So may not mean much to you, but that's a fascinating fact for anyone yeah. who knows yeah. who Keith Chegwin is. You going to give us a tune? There's one tune that I didn't play that was in a film from 1976 because yeah. I was saving it to play for one of my tunes. Yep. Have a go on this one. Okay. Beer number two. two. Song two. Thank you. 
good is that? That's a cracking tune, Gareth. Like, who's responsible for that? From the film Rocky. Yes, okay. Yeah. And it's uh, it's not the main tune from Rocky. It's called Going the Distance, and it's by Bill Conti, who did uh, all the soundtrack for, for Rocky. The big famous Rocky tune, did he do that as well? Yeah. Yeah. The one that uh, my wife walked down the aisle to when we got, <laughs> when we got hitched. <laughs> Do you want to give us 10 seconds of that? Really? Go on. Everyone knows that one. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. but it's bloody good, isn't okay. it? Okay. So, is... this is Bill Conte as well? Yeah, Bill Conte. Was he yeah. Italian? Um, C O N T E? Conte. Uh, in the same way that Sylvester Stallone is Italian. Probably. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Music, so it? good. Yeah. So good. Uh, what do you think of Rocky, the film? Look, I actually haven't seen it for like so long. I remember, um, you know, when I was sort of like about 10 or whatever, like Rocky 4 and Rocky yeah, 5 were coming see, out. See, and the, the original Rocky is tainted by all that stuff, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, once he starts fighting the Russian, it's a little, yeah, it's yeah. A little bit like Muhammad Ali starting to fight, starting to fight wrestlers. Do you know what I mean? And he got it, got a bit onto that vein. Didn't um, Sylvester Stallone? Didn't he write it and like um, yeah. and finance it? And yeah, stuff? the early stuff he was really involved with it. I think he was probably in the later ones as well. But he, yeah, he um, it, before it became too kind of weird and Hollywood and James Brown turning up on it and stuff like that. It was. Yeah, okay. It was great. The first Rocky. Was- Haven't they named the steps in Philadelphia are called? Are named the 76 steps are called the Rocky yeah, steps right, or whatever right, yeah. that he does the training on. <laughs> hey, Gareth, I googled Rocky Philadelphia stairs and it's come up. You can go on a half day private um, tour of them for $852. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. That's where the going the distance uh, bit is. The triumphant stuff at the end of that is him yeah. at the top of the steps there. So Tourists often mimic Rocky's famous climb. I'm sure they do. Uh, some other good films that came out that we haven't mentioned yet. So Marathon Man came out then, yeah. I think, which is um, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. King Kong, the remake came out, which wasn't oh, that, is that good. James Kahn or whatever? Or it's or no, uh, was Jeff like? Bridges. King Kong, aren't like... No, I know, but it was, yeah. a, it was actually the biggest film of the year, weirdly. Yeah, right. Okay. Um... The Man Who Fell to Earth, which is the Bowie film, where he plays a weird alien. He acts in it, does he? Yeah. Okay. And Hitchcock made his last film in mm. 1976. I've not seen it. A film called Family Plot. Do you know that one? No. No, that was his final one. Yeah, okay. And an amazing bit of TV slash film. You could sort of be, It's a film that was made for TV, really, by Mike Lee. Do you know Mike Lee? He did a thing called Nuts in May, which is fantastic. Yeah. What's Nuts in May about? It's about a couple of... People who go camping in the south of England. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's funny, but it's just so natural as well. What do you mean natural? 
He does a lot of improvisation and stuff like that. In 76? Yeah. Okay. He did Abigail's Party, if you've ever seen that one. Yeah. Yeah, nuts in, mate. If you get a chance to watch it, okay. I've got it in VHS, so I can't actually watch it anymore, but um, yeah. it's worth checking out. Maybe you should play your second tune. I've got a clue for you. Alf Stewart from uh, Home and Away might have liked this band. Okay. They were from, they formed in the in the mid-60s in San Francisco. Yeah, okay.
think you know who it is, but I love it. I gave you the clue that um, it's the flaming galas. It's not the flaming galas. It's the flaming groovies. Flaming groovies out of uh, San Francisco with shake some action. Shake some action. It's an iconic song, isn't it? Yeah. Or a bit of a cult song, would you say? I think so. I probably didn't know it back in the day, but it's kind of snuck we, up on we, me. We used to go to a night called Shake Some Action. Oh right, okay. Yeah, at one six one in yeah, Melbourne. Okay. Yeah. So they've been around since the late 60s, yeah. but that's kind of their one that most people know, isn't it, really? Yeah. Do you know where they got the line, Shake Some Action, from? No. The title, Shake Some Action, originates from a line in the 1965 film, None But The Brave, directed by Frank Sinatra. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Do you know where that was uh, recorded? Where was it recorded? Rockfield in Wales. The same place that Oasis and no way and uh, Queen's uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was recorded there for, as well. It's for, the same place for real. Yeah. So what would they have been doing in Wales? So they, it was produced by Dave Edmonds, who was yeah. a Welsh guy. So maybe that was a connection with it. But yeah, um, right. And do you think like in '76 it was probably pretty fashionable for um to sort of you know you know for to bands. go to Wales to record it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. For bands that. I don't know, south of France, they go or... Oh, yeah, probably. You know, yeah. It a, it's um, residential um, studio. Yeah, yeah, Nigeria or Wales or wherever, yeah. wherever so you want to go. They we, talk, we talked to Gaz a little bit about his residential studio stuff where they, yeah. they recorded stuff at Sawmills, which was um, a good way to record a record, just go and live in a studio for a while. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I put them in the same bucket as like Badfinger or even um, Big Star or something like that in terms of... Okay. A sort of power pop kind of thing going on. It's yeah. Cool. I like it a lot. Yeah. Talking of power pop. Yeah. Should we jump over and have a chat with our esteemed think, guest today? I, th- I think we should. So when we spoke to Gaz, he was on tour in the Netherlands mm. from his hotel room. He dialed in. And can I just say, it's a great chat and you never know what you're going to get when you um, jump on the Zoom and he was great value. Should we do it? Lovely, gent. All right. Yep. Let's do it. Hello. 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 Hey. Guys, how you hey. going? Thank you so much for joining us. This is great. Indeed. Oh, nice. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to good to see you guys. Are you in Amsterdam, are you? Uh, we're in uh, Nijmegen in Holland. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, did a show last night and uh, all going very well. Yeah. Cool. A little bit fuzzy, fuzzy this morning. Bit of a late yeah. night, but uh, <laughs> that's to be expected. All good. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. obviously we're going to talk about the tour, the dates you've got because you're coming to Oz, which is fantastic. Yeah. Excited yeah. about that, of course. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Really excited. Yeah, it's going to be so cool. Let's just start off by talking about why this particular song you've chosen is kind of, I don't know, inspirational to you. Why, why, why did you pick yeah. that song? Yeah, I mean, I, I first heard this record, I guess, sort of, you know, late teens, early 20s. Um, and it kind of blew me away then, but I, I don't know if I if I fully invested in it as much as I did some years later when um, we were recording. Uh, I was recording with Supergrass in Berlin in um, uh, 2008, 2009. For whatever reason, this record was just the one that was on my phone for the entire time. Every morning I'd wake up in the hotel and, and just put it on my little Bluetooth speaker and, and kind of blast it out. And it just seemed to always set me up for the day. And um, yeah, it was kind of inspiring um, from a guitarist's point of view, I think. I just kind of 
dived into the parts a bit more and 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 listening to how um yeah how they sort of sort of intertwine these parts Uh, see no evil by the wonderful television tom verlaine um and uh richard uh what's his name um richard lloyd yeah richard lloyd. how they sort of kind of those parts sort of 
were kind of woven around each other and you know almost like you know they were the only band that could really do that i mean you, you could hear other artists in them and you could hear you know you know what school they were from you know musically but uh at the same time nobody seemed to be able to kind of create that vibe like like they could um so i think that was the thing that really excited me and um you know just those sounds you know and, and whenever i get into rehearsal or or plug my amp in um you know i often start playing you know <laughs> this track or, or or one of the others and it just kind of it's almost like a gauge of like is my guitar sound good <laughs> and it's like no 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 I'll, I'll just adjust that play a bit more of this and then it's like yeah that's that's the sound just just a great record and i keep having favorites through the record you know i never sort of it's never just one track um marky moon what a, what a fantastic record and the lead guitar is like it's uh it's not like a blues lead guitar it's kind of different way of playing i think it's you hear it and go it, do you know what i mean it's not it's not bluesy lines it's really kind totally, of melodic yeah. really melodic lines yeah that's tricky to sort of do you know and and actually weirdly it was it was it probably fits into the that point in my playing and 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 recording that record i was working we were working with a producer called nick lorne mm. and i was having some good conversations with him about guitar playing and how i'd been playing in the past and and my choice of of solos and things and um so i think the combination of of really getting into marky mood and and talking with nick i kind of adjusted my my solos a bit more to be actually kind of less bluesy and to you know to find notes that were that were slightly different in the scale or, or just to be a bit more angular so it definitely inspired a change in my style a little bit to to kind of um, be a bit more direct um in that hmm. sort of angular sense they recorded with eno or something and they threw it out and started again i'm, I'm pretty sure yeah i think I, I did i remember hearing about that yeah yeah but that's such a cool window for me. You know, 76, 77, 78, you know, another one of my favourite records was Horses by Patti Smith. Oh, yeah. Um, I love that sort of period where it, it almost had, had enough of the, you know, rock and roll, the sort of 60s sort of psychedelic rock and roll, and then the heavy rock of the early 70s. It was kind of like a reaction against what had been before, um, you know, and also obviously preempted the kind of, the overblown sort of production of the eighties that was just yeah. about to come along, you know, and, and more synthesizers and just way more production. And um, so I feel like it was a little sort of golden window in, in music, you know, this, that sort of two, three year period. Yeah. It's a record that, that lands in a great time for me. And um, I always sort of often kind of look at the year of my birth, the year of 76. And I just, how many amazing records were in 1976? Was there a particular person or anything who got you into it or did you just, discover it I, I i don't think so i don't i, I don't yeah. remember you know yeah my late teens early 20s it was a time when we were you know we we, we, we just you know started supergrass we were kind of a couple mm. of years in and, but we were still kind of hanging out you know hanging out at each other's houses and um there was a group of cottages that were across the road from from my parents house and we used to go over there all the time and um, you know, just visit friends who lived there who were kind of like-minded music people and they were actually all a lot older than me as well. Um, so it could have been, you know, um, around around that time just kind of go through, you know, record collections yeah. and, and, and these guys that I knew that were 
that had 10, 15 years on me. And, and, um, so they'd always recommend stuff and (laughs) they got, they got me into Zap, they got me into Zappa and Beefheart and, yeah, yeah. uh, So I wouldn't be surprised if it was around that time. Yeah. has you know, punched above its weight somewhat over the years with the, the calibre of bands it's put out. Do you think that sort of scene there, I mean, there's, I grew up near Reading, actually, so I would have gone to some gigs in Oxford over the years, uh, places like the, uh, the the Zodiac and the um, mm. the other venues there. I mean, you would Jericho been, Tavern and uh, Jericho yeah, Tavern and places that, yeah. like that. So that do you think yeah. having those places there, maybe a good record store and that kind of a good clubs and things like that, help that scene grow? Do you think it was a kind of understated scene? You know, I think it was um, we were close to London, but but further enough away from London to sort of not launch ourselves onto the scene and 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 then you know be be kind of too omnipresent. You know, we were we were just still living in the countryside next to sort of big fields and. Nice. And you take a trip into the town centre, and and yeah, there's a couple of music venues, but nothing sort of major. It didn't. I mean, I think probably the biggest thing that was happening was that you know the the um the so-called uh, Thames Valley scene, you know, of the late '80s, early '90s with um, yeah, we you know, talked about it. Um, told me about it. I didn't know about it being from Australia. He worded me up. Well, we had a chat with Mark Gardner, so that you know, and he filled us ah. in the stuff. So, and you know, there's bands like Swerve Driver, and obviously Radiohead, yeah. And- yourselves was it like a were you like a gang or was it kind of you're all doing your own separate thing or no we, we kind of came along at different times you know yeah. we we played with uh we played with radiohead at uh joker tavern when they were called it on a friday oh, yes. um, okay. we supported them and, and um i mean they were a bit they were a bit older than us and um um and then equally ride i mean ride was one of the first gigs i ever went to you know um when i was kind of allowed by my parents, you know, sort of <laughs> 15 years old and you kind of sneak in and, and you know, it was just really slack. So you could just pretend you're a bit older and there was no idea or anything. So, um, so Ride were probably the first band that I ever saw live. And, and, um, I was, uh, I was really into those, those early records. Yeah, me too. Um, and, uh, but it seemed like we all kind of arrived at slightly different points and, and we had slightly different trajectories and, um, you know, yeah, Radiohead had sort of already had Creep go huge yeah. in America mm-hmm. um, yeah. when we were when we were still um, on on the demo stages of our first record. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, it was quite a small music scene, but but the, the bands that made it through had a, had, a, had a huge impact. But then other other bands like Candy Skins, who mm-hmm. sort of almost got there, you know, luck of the draw. Sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. sort of the right place, right time. Also, the labels were. You know, Parlophone, um, EMI were were a very, very musical label, a kind of yeah. still still with a lot of, you know, the, the hangover from the 70s and 80s when when labels just, you know, they had a lot of money and a lot of interest in, in, in music and it hadn't, the bubble hadn't burst yet in the music mm. industry, you know. Uh, 
where things became a bit more ruthless and and, yeah. and you could only if you didn't get it in your first album you'd get dropped and all of that stuff you know it was still the labels were willing to stick with an artist or a band you know? there was money in the industry then you know there was a lot of money yeah Fallen over because of Napster and that side of things. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So you know, we got we got a bit lucky, but then you know we made a great we made great records. So mm, yeah, great songwriting. You were very young when you started out, so you're like 15 or 16 when you. I mean, uh, you got signed early on to same label as Suede, wasn't it? Nude early on for the previous band. And that was in the first, yeah, yeah, and super young. So, and you would have grown up throughout those. Obviously, the six albums that you made. Is it six albums with Supergrass? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you know, we we had some sort of tough times a bit later on. You know when. Uh, when we were still going, but like I said, the, the, the industry changed a lot and, and, and Parlophone wasn't the same. And, mm. um, you know, we were looking elsewhere at deals and, and um, other labels. And, you know, yeah, it was a, that was a kind of tough time, you know, because it didn't feel like there was, there was, you know, quite such a sort of nurturing, you know, feel around the people we were working with. And, um, but yeah, we did good, you know, we, we, we did great to sort of, you know, still keep expressing ourselves and um, making the music that we wanted to make, you know, uh, without compromise. But it definitely got harder to do that, you know, um, but the less support, uh, you know, was, was around, you know, in the, in the later years. But, uh, but yeah, re you know, really, really proud of everything, everything we did and, oh, and absolutely. how long we stuck at it, you know. And when you hit the scene with a huge bang, huge explosion, I should Coco, were those songs like, you know, I think they they captures a sort of the kinks, madness, sort of a bit cheeky and had that sort of... Um, Distinctly know, British. Boys, very British. I don't really want to use the term Britpop because that sort of covers too much other stuff, but was there an expectation that you'd sort of keep doing those kind of records that kind of like the first one because it did definitely mature as you'd start doing things like you know grace or something like that is a is a different tune to i think other parts. I, I think the essence of the band was the same throughout and i think you probably see that more in the live performances i think i think when we got into a studio it was kind of it was playtime it was kind of christmas and and you know there's so much to to mess around with and to experiment with. And I think we were all, we were all up for that, those experiments and, and, and pushing ourselves, uh, you know, sonically in our, in, in our writing and, 
but still playing with structures and 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 being kind of musically obtuse when we wanted to be and and just you know irreverent and and that was always a part of our our, our band but um you know yeah just got into you know different references come along as you as you grow up as you grow a bit you hear more music and but i was talking to someone about this the other day and what, what i remember being kind of so cool in the ways that we weren't none of us were really sort of encyclopedic about our music i mean mick uh mick queen had some years on me and danny and an older brother and so he he knew a lot of you know a lot of interesting bands that maybe myself and danny hadn't gotten onto yet but equally it was quite simple you know there was probably a handful of artists that we were really into you know the beatles and the kinks and uh you know stones and stuff and hendrix and neil young so i think there was a lot of space in our heads to sort of be ourselves and i sometimes think you know new bands coming out now it's like sometimes i feel like they sort of know too much yeah. <laughs> or they, the world's information at the press of a yeah <laughs> and they're kind of really down with all the coolest things that were sort of yeah. like obscure artists from sort of 1973 and all of this sort of this knowledge and i don't know i don't know it's not, it's not wrong or right but it's just like i remember feeling like there was a very large blank canvas with a few kind of cool artists that we love sort of you know punctuating it here and there just that space to be really expressive and create our own sound and our, our sound on that mm. first album came from playing in a small living room you know in this in this little cottage and just danny's drums being so loud his cymbals being so loud that you know my amp would get turned up and then <laughs> then then mitt wasn't being heard so his bass amp got <laughs> turned up and and then so it was almost like we were all kind of trying to turn up to hear ourselves and then suddenly this this kind of sound came along that was kind of fast and loud um and edgy and and i think it was a product of our environment and our innocence you know and yeah. sort of musical naivety even just i think that's quite there's something quite magical about that yeah to not to not have it all worked out to, to not know exactly what you're doing and and um be completely down on you know or, or, or clued up with um the media and, and how to present yourselves and how to do good interviews and <laughs> like none of that <laughs> we didn't know any of that it's just like so it's all very sort of visceral you know yeah. very really visceral and, and really you know instinctive
So you've obviously it's a different process now. You're not you're not playing in a room with uh, three noisy players. I imagine you're doing a lot of it yourself. So previously you would have sort of maybe worked with Nick Launay or some other producer you worked with like um, John Cornfield at Sawmills and people like that. How much did they sort of guide what you were doing back then and are you using producer these days in the same way? Yeah, I think it depends really. I think I learned a lot. I mean, me personally, I can't speak for the others, but I learned a lot about um, music production and um, and recording. And, and um, yeah, I, I always found found those things, you know, had a, had a big impact when I look back, you know, and, and how I write and record now. Because I kind of just gathered a lot of gear over the years and, and then it got to a point, I guess, 2012, uh, when I first started on the, on the solo records, uh, I was in a good place to do something on my own. You know, I kind of knew enough about making a record to, uh, to explore that in my own time and, and, and space. And I found that really exciting, uh, really exciting just to, just to go in and think, right, what am I going to do? Or just jump on a drum kit, start getting a beat together, messing with the sounds, playing with the mic positions. And, and all of a sudden I come across a, a really cool drum sound and, you know, I'm not a great drummer, but I know uh, I, I know enough to to have played the drums on on most of my um, solo records and stuff like that. It was just right. really exciting just to just to mess around and yeah, and and have it all very instinctive. So you know, it's and, like I like to record the early takes. You know, I kind of record while I'm writing, so I capture everything as early as possible while it's in that state of of me not quite knowing what I'm doing. So it's kind of it's half based around a, an idea in my head. And then the other half is just like, right, let's see what happens, you know. And some of the songs were from the lockdown period, is that right? On this record, yeah, I guess yeah. I guess the whole thing was recorded between, you know, 2020 and hmm. and 22, yeah. Yeah, so that was all around uh, around the, the sort of lockdown period. But, I, yeah, I was lucky enough to be able to build a studio uh, over the way from my house. And then I've got this old sort of big double garage so I kind of mm. stripped it out. My neighbours, the neighbours a builder. We were both in lockdown. He didn't have any work, so I was actually <laughs> fancy coming over and coming over and taking a look, see if we can build something. And um, you know, ten weeks later, I had this mad little studio. And um, so yeah, I was pretty blessed to have had that uh, as an outlet during that time. And um, mm. and so you know, I'd go over every morning and uh, you know every day, just spend a lot of time in there just messing around with things, you know, and, and um, this record sort of, I guess, became like a really good friend to me. You know, it became like a comfort and, and a, an outlet and I could just sort of, you know, lay out all my frustrations or, or, or you know, any kind of emotion, you know, just the, the closeness I felt with my family as well during that time. And, Don't he- 
Yeah, one of the standout tracks was I thought was Don't Say It's Over. Is there a story behind that one? I guess it's about a sort of single night, an evening I kind of remember. You just sort of tap into memories and stuff and, mm. and, and just looking back to when I'm, I first met my wife, that feeling of, 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 yeah, of not wanting the night to be over, but equally sort of in a, in a grander sense, this is something amazing. Wow. You know, look what we've got here. And then having that slightly fatalistic um, concern that like, it's not going to, you know, what if it just all goes wrong and, oh, you know, no. <laughs> is, 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 is it going to be well. okay? You know, or just, you know, yeah. all the doubt, no, just like normal mm. doubts that come into mm. any relationship, you know, at the beginning and you sort of, you know, think is it, have we got it, you know, can it, mm. can it work? And it, and it, and it did. And it's, and it's a beautiful thing. So yeah, that's, um, yeah, there's a few sort of elements to that track. Yeah. So there's those personal tunes in there, and I picked up on the 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 Sunny the Strong track, which is kind of obviously that's a narrative about another character. Sunny the Strong paid over the odds. Nobody could hear the call of his pain. He was already aching so many scars. From a lonely life in an out of the bars He had a fire raging inside The only way that he could survive But it took Tell us a bit about that one. That's a sort of a, a fabricated boxing champ who goes off to war. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of, I kind of created sort of my own character, but it's based on um, a guy called Randolph Turpin. This, 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 uh, this boxer who's around in the fifties from uh, Leamington Spa, yeah, in the UK. He was called the Leamington Liquor. Yeah, is he, weird. is he well known <laughs> or not? Or not really? Quite a weird moniker. <laughs> um, not really. There's, not really. A, there's a statue of him in Lemmings right. Spa, but no, he's sort of definitely. That was that was when I came across this article, and it was like forgotten sporting heroes or something. And I just was reading this article just to get a bit of inspiration because I knew that the track I had the track musically finished, and it was like, right, where where am I going with the lyrics? And so I just started reading stuff and trying to find a, a, a hook. Uh, yeah, so I, I thought that was really. A really interesting story because his story was crazy, um, really tough life, just the really mm. traumatic sort of early start to his life, and and he did he became world champion and beat Sonny List and um, oh wow, and okay. got, yeah, yeah, was, he got yeah. big time, and then after that he kind of it all went sort of downhill, and he got involved with the mob and like money problems and sort of um, kind of these mob dealings and, and violence and. Um, and he had a, yeah, his life ended pretty tragically, but I just found it that sort of, I guess it's like a rise and fall story that, that, mm. that, that it can be so interesting, you know, celebrating those highs and, and, and recognizing the, the troubled times and, and it creates for a really interesting sort of strong narrative. But, um, mm. yeah, I, I, I wrote that and stole the idea of my wife. My wife's a writer. She's, she's a real writer, <laughs> not, not 
like lyrics and stuff. And so, and um, her writing room is opposite my studio and on the window, she uses these post-it notes and just puts like little hooks um, or just like kind of single word things or, or a, a saying or a phrase and, and just sort of post them up. And so they're kind of there to get a sense of, of where you're at. And I did this for this story. I just kind of wrote little moments on these post-it notes and stuck them all over my piano. And then, yeah. and then I just started moving them around into a sort of structure and, and it's like, right. Verse two, he can go to war. Uh, I mean, Randolph didn't go to war, but I kind of created this sort of, yeah, maybe second verse, he gets drafted because that was fascinating to me as well. The idea that the height of one's fame um, in those days and, and actually still now, I mean, in, in Ukraine, a couple of high profile boxes of, of, of you know, yeah, yeah. Into, to, to fight and um you know that was quite fascinating the idea of yeah being at your peak and and then just get you know you get whipped away to yeah well the same was happening in the 50s with musicians you know was, yeah conscription was still happening yeah. in the uk and, and play, things like that although look, i'm reading about some skiffle stuff at the moment half those musicians went off to conscription and Amazing. to new bands afterwards so you're taken away at the height of your fame imagine that happened to you at the age of 16 17. incredible yeah, yeah no definitely so yeah so then yeah yeah, yeah i think sunny the strong is probably a better title than the leamington liquor <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, um, we're a beer podcast, we drink a six-pack, and I know Supergrass put out an IPA a couple of years ago, and, um, and I was just reading it was 8%, which is pretty bloody strong. Did you, <laughs> yeah. did, you, did, you, did you consume a bit of it? Yeah, I mean, I was there. I was there when they made it. Uh, I went to this like pub in London, I can't remember where it was, and they had this brewery out back. Um, so I saw the process. It was quite bonkers, really. Uh, yeah, pretty strong. <laughs> a strong, a strong, robust, robust aftertaste, much like Supergrass. Yeah, very, very good, very good. You came up on the scene when a lot of, uh, I think, MTV Europe was just taking off. Some of your videos you made early on were really, you know, set your career off big time. But um, I want to talk about the Muppets one because that's that was a. Um, a special moment, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, for people who haven't seen it, I had this I had this kind of like 15-foot-tall body. So I was kind of up these steps, standing on something, and then these huge, like, yeah, I guess, you know, 10 feet long legs and these crazy sort of arms. Um, so it was huge. It was a huge puppet. And I had control of, of the arms a bit. Oh, yeah. And I had these other operators doing, like, legs and, and my hip movements and stuff. And, um, uh, yes, one of the, one of the, the women who was doing, 
I was going to say one of the women who's doing my hips. That's such a weird <laughs> sentence. But, uh, she was Miss Piggy's um, original oh. pup, uh, sort of puppet. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So I had some some crazy chats with her, and, and it's like, wow, I'm we're literally working with sort of legends here. Yeah. Um, having having grown up on on the Muppets and Sesame yeah, Street, you know, and um, so yeah, it was an incredible. Uh, experience just to sort of work with those guys and and you know quite incredible and i'll be in the bit where my brother gets his head um <laughs> knocked off is it or is it or is it um danny i can't remember but yeah this head goes flying across you know just really cool little touches you know so that was yeah it was a special day. yeah it definitely captured the, your vibe as well i thought it was really good another sort of tv experience i was doing a bit of research today and i came across the ali g clip I don't know whether you know this, but I is treasurer of the national campaign against indie music. <laughs> but instead of fighting them, we is offering to work with them. So as a gesture of peace, we have none other than Gaz Coombs from a band called Supergrass. Yes. <laughs> Very nice to meet you. Respect, respect. Nice to meet you, Ali. Now, I ain't got much time, but because I like you, I was going to give you a little bit of help. Okay. First up, you've got to shave those burns, man. (laughs) I mean, no one has ever got in the top ten by looking like a monkey. (laughs) Now, the second thing is, just because your band is called Super Trump, don't mean that... (laughs) It don't mean that you need to dress like a homeless, you know? Take it away. This is Gaz from Supergrass. remix of <laughs> when the sun hits the sky yeah would be well a... i think it was only about well for starters it was like 30 seconds long <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i think it was yeah just for the purposes of the show i don't know uh, i never heard the, i never heard the end of it um the end oh, of right. that version uh, yeah no it was god i was so young yeah he came in before the the recording came to my dressing room and just to sort of discuss what was going to happen. He's you know, Ali, really lovely. Was, that, was he as Ali G or was he as... No, no. no. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And so he came back and he was, oh, it's great to have you, man. You know, we're just going to, just going to do a bit of this and we'll talk about this and I might throw some funny things at you. 
And so he told me roughly what was going to happen. And then when we got onto the set, it, everything was different. He didn't do anything that he said he was going to do. And it was just, and you realize, oh, okay, that's what you do. It's this kind of false sense of security. And then you hit the, uh, the interviewee with, uh, with some curveballs and yeah, right. And that's, that's the reaction that he wants and stuff. But it, I think I got away with it. I think I was like, you know, well, I, although yeah. I wore my nicest suit, this really fucking expensive designer suit, and he was saying I look like a tramp. So you can't win. <laughs> you can't win. Let's talk about that. the Aussie, Aussie tour. You're um, you're coming out here. You're playing um, three dates. You solo. They're great venues, by the way. Um, oh, nice. Venue in Melbourne's particularly cool. It's an old like Victorian theatre house that's on top of a hill. That one will be good. And but you're also oh, great. You're supporting Robbie Williams. Tell us about that one. Yeah, yeah, we've done a few shows with him over the summer. Actually, I mean, he got in touch before the summer. Um, I assume he's invited you. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's tricky. I can't really say too much about. Yeah. You know, well, I, 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 yeah, he got in touch about some other things. Yeah. Um, and we had a chat on Zoom, and uh, we got on really well. I really enjoyed um, chatting to him, and he's an extremely sort of personable, honest guy. Um, really open, incredibly open. You know, within a few minutes, we were talking about 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 very personal things that that mm. we both seem to sort of link up on, mm. um, and I found that quite quite refreshing you know and and i just really got on really well uh so we talked about a couple of other sort of separate things um musical things and just the off the few offers came in to, to to play with him through europe uh, on a few sort of festival kind of dates and a few of his own headline shows met the rest of the band um as well they're all great people the whole the whole sort of crew and the, and the whole team were just you know really nice people and i mean i've toured with some huge bands over the years and you know unfortunately not all of them are you know have a kind of have such a welcoming kind of hospitable yeah Yeah. uh, and warmth to them but robbie is just such a warm guy um you know he's obviously you know he's 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 been through a lot in his life you know Mm. Uh, you know as i have and you know and and you know we were young and you know, a bit crazy at times and stuff, but he seems in a really good place. And, and um, I always enjoy, always enjoy chatting with Rob. Yeah. When this came along, it was like, yeah. He's been yeah. working on some sort of film over in Oz, I think recently, some sort of animated thing. Anyway, that'll be interesting. Yeah. It comes yeah. Out. Yeah. yeah. He was yeah. telling me about that recently. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds pretty interesting. It sounds bonkers as well. Yeah. It's very, yeah. It's very, very Robby. <laughs> How are you putting your album on the road? Because it's very lush, lots of in- different instrumentation and things like that. Is that you trying to recreate that for the live show or kind of doing a different beast? Yeah, no, the band is amazing. I've, I'm working with, this, with, the, with the band I've been with sort of for like eight years now, I guess. Such a great band. Really just were able to translate what I'd done on record, you know, onto the stage and just really intuitive musicians and just great people. I think that's the, that's something that's really important to me to be traveling and be on the road with very like-minded sort of kind and patient and nurturing kind of characters you know i think uh yeah they're all really really special people uh what are we eight piece i think wow. um oh wow okay. you know? <laughs> yeah 
yeah, it's quite lush production that you've got there. So you'd need an eight piece to kind of do it justice, I reckon. That yeah. So when I can, I, I like to be out on the road with those guys. They're just, um, yeah, good friends and great players. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be a blast. Well, we'll try and make it along to the, the Northcote yeah, we'll, show. We'll be at the Northcote show, it, for yeah. sure. Thanks so much for chatting to us. Oh, no, it's been great. Uh, yeah, nice one, man. Well, it's good to, yeah. good to meet you guys. Thanks yeah. for having me. Cool. Thanks, okay. guys. Thanks, guys. Take care. That was amazing having a chat with Gas Coombs, wasn't it? I haven't had a guest for a few weeks. I'm sick of talking to you. So it was absolutely <laughs> lovely talking, mutual. To, Don't worry. talking to a fellow Brit who was just bloody lovely. Yeah. Um, let's get his dates out there, Gareth, for all the Aussie listeners. 14th of November, Liberty Hall, Moore Park, Australia. 21st of November, the Northcote Theatre here in Melbourne. We'll be at that one. 2nd of December, the Frio Social in Fremantle. He's also supporting Robbie Williams, but I think they're all sold out, so we don't need to promote they that. They are, but if you're going, uh, if you want to see more details of it, that's... Uh... Yeah, go to Frontier Touring and go to gazcombs.com as well to check out his new album. Turn the Car Around, which is excellent. I it's really a, like it's it. It's a great album. I really he's, like a, it. he's a good songwriter. Yeah, great songwriter. Oh, so good. And it, you know, quality. Good talk. So, as I say, back to us chumps. Mm. <laughs> okay. Some new words in the dictionary. Let's some go. new phrases yep. so in 19, the dictionary. 1976. The phrase pooper scooper was in there for the first time <laughs> as a pet owner. Is that you your were, nickname you were, <laughs> in, in high school? No, it's called Kilt Boy. <laughs> <laughs> a pooper scooper. So, sorry, as a non-pet owner, you wouldn't have, well, have no, to go I, through the trauma of doing that. I don't know about the trauma, but I, have I ever told you? Like, I think about... The year 2000, they passed a law about cleaning up dog shit in Melbourne. Yeah, right. Okay. Right. And in my childhood, in the 80s in Melbourne, I just remember, like, slipping around in dog shit all the time. <laughs> like, that's all you did. You go yeah. to a park, you'd step in shit. It, it was just everywhere, right? Yeah, right. And whoever brought that law in to clean up the yeah. shit, thank God for that. Well, that was the, the pooper the scooper law. Was there. The, um, the term long neck was used for the first time. To describe a beer. A beer. beer yeah. with a longer neck, which yeah. we, we don't tend to drink long necks these days. But no, but that's is that an Australian thing? No, I don't think so. Oh, they got them in the UK, well, do they? Well, it's in, it's in my new words in the dictionary, so. You, you call them tallies here, though, don't you? No, that's Queenslanders. Oh, we, right, in okay. Victoria, we call them long necks. Long necks, okay. So to go along with the term long neck, mm. the the phrase deep throat was also <laughs> came out for the first time. Long neck and deep oh, throat was it, together. Was it? It was, oh, God. <laughs> You've been working on these comedy bits, I don't know. <laughs> it's not yeah. working, is it? No. <laughs> no. Well, I just thought it was funny that the term long neck and deep throat were on the same. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, enough of that shit. I'm going to play it. Yeah. My next tune, change of pace. Yeah, mix it up. I like to mix it up. Let's go a bit yacht rock. Ooh, Okay. Song four. There's a road I know I must go Even though I tell myself that road is closed With a lonely sea bird You've been away from land too long Ah, oh, too long 
like a ghost you haunt me Zach Gareth. I was trying yeah. to guess. Female singer. No. What? <laughs> no. Is that why? No, it's not a female singer. That's, that's why f- you said that. Like, what yeah, you, you look straight. That's not a female. No. It's a couple of twins called the Alessi brothers. Right. American. Yeah. Um, they had minor hit with a different song in the UK and a minor hit in the US with a different song. And not, the, that not, song not, the, was, not the Alessi twins well, from Neighbours. No, it's not yeah. the same Alessi twins from Neighbours. It's the Alessi brothers. And they... Yeah. They didn't really do much, but that song is in the last few years. You hear it a lot now. I don't know why. I, I think it's I haven't heard it. It's yeah. kind of part of that. It sounds a bit yacht rocky, but um, okay, pretty smooth. But yeah, not the Alessi twins. No, what are they doing these days? <laughs> they, they put out a single, they did, didn't, didn't they? they? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't as good as that one though. So no, that's true. That's play called a bit Seabird. Of it. <laughs> do you want to go on? No, I can't. I just, no, let's nah, not scrap that. Not go there. Um, okay. So there was a massive, I say massive, there was a heat wave in the UK in 1976. Oh, yeah. Everyone, until fairly recently, would always refer back to, oh, it's not like that hot summer of 76. Yeah, and then now it's cracking 35 there. Well, the the hottest it got during the peak time was 35 degrees, and that was the heat wave, and it didn't go under 26 for two weeks or something, and that was the heat wave. So obviously that's weird being in Australia. Were all the um, POMs wearing, like, you know, hankies on their heads and yeah. taking their tops off. That's what they do when it gets hot. First thing you do, get out there. <laughs> get out in the nearest park, take your shirt off. Yeah. What was happening in Oz? I know that there were a couple of new TV shows that we haven't mentioned. Oh, yeah? What are they? The Sullivans came out for the first oh, time. Oh, that was a um, big forerunner to, um, I guess, Neighbours. It was a Grundy, I think it was yeah. a Grundy's TV show. And also... I, I, we, I used to watch that as a little kid. So did I as a little kid. It was a yeah. daytime TV and it, it was it seemed to sort of soften the Brits for Aussie um, yeah, it was TV a, a little warm bit. warm-up to Neighbours. And it was about... Was it about a Second World War family? Yeah. And didn't we go for a beer? It was filmed in um, Richmond at, yeah. in, in a pub there and we went the for retreat. a beer. Yeah, it's having a school. Yeah, the and it's at a, this immaculate pub that no one drinks in. And it's, and it's still got that sort of um, yeah. 50s interior. Wartime yeah. feel. And the Young Doctors came out as mm. well, which was another big one that made it in, in as far as the yeah. UK. Mm. But a, a TV show that was introduced in the US yeah. was Family Feud, which we call Family Fortunes. Um, we had it here in the very early 90s. It was hosted by a guy called Rob Bruff, right? Who is from Queensland. That makes sense, right? I think he's now a newsreader. Well, we we Bob, Mon- Bob Monkhouse did it, and yeah. Les Dennis. I've told you my family went for an audition for it, <laughs> haven't I? And you didn't make the cut. We didn't make. My family weren't. Um, <laughs> you were like sixteen or something. I was young. Right? I was sixteen, so I um, 
I'm surprised we didn't get in because it's. Do know. you reckon they like looked at you and they're like, that guy Gareth's trouble. We don't know it's, what he'll do on camera. It's just, he's trying to get all the answers right and they didn't want that. Yeah. Our survey said. <laughs> enough of that. All right. Yeah. Where are we? I've got Gareth. I've only got one also ran. Okay. I was thinking of playing this as a song, but it's too cheesy, but it, but it is a good song. Sir Elton. You cut it uh, off in no. uh, mid, midstream <laughs> there. Yeah, you weren't digging that one. Oh, you know. I thought it was a good song. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, like, uh, it's very middle of the road. Yeah, but, like, you know, I mean, when Reg Dwight and Kiki D. Yeah, it was probably um, yeah. one of the better songs from 76, maybe. Have you only got one also, Ren? I do. Okay. How do I set up my final song? The lyrics concern a man reflecting on the mistakes he has made in a relationship whilst drinking alcohol. Oh, okay. Be a number five. Song five. It's another lonely evening. In another lonely town. But I ain't too young to worry And I ain't too old to cry When a woman gets me down Got another empty bottle mm, And another empty bed Ain't too young to admit it I'm not too old to lie I'm just another empty head Another heart 
try to get back to the start And it's another red light That that was ACDC. Only by I, I figured it was Bon Scott's voice there. So, yeah, you hadn't yeah. heard that one before. No, I'm, I'm obviously bit, not the biggest it, ACDC. Yeah, fan, I mean neither but, am I. But that's quite a cool song, like a bit yeah. of a ballad from them. Well, my obvious criticism for them is they make records that sound the same, and that mm. one doesn't. So mm. it's a bit sad when you think that a few years later he actually died yeah. of alcohol poisoning, isn't yeah. it? Really? So, yeah. What's the lyric? He goes, I've got a um, one-way ticket going the wrong way. Yeah, and it came true. And he, and he did, mm. yeah. In 76, ACDC had their first international release, right? Yeah, All right. the previous other ones had been Aussie, and Right On was, uh, wasn't was on the international one. Oh, okay. It, yeah, it was from a local release, and then they went on, and I think it, I think they did Thunderstruck and all that business, and, yeah, right. you know, went went... That's when they went global, 76. Mm. You know when you right-click on Spotify, you can see who the credits are? Yeah. Who produced that uh, ACDC track? I'm guessing, Gareth, it was Vander and Young. It was Vander and Young, so from uh, off the Easy Beats. Off the Easy Beats. They were the songwriting team, Harry Vander and uh, George Young, um, Angus's brother. Yeah. And Malcolm's brother from ACDC. Yeah. Vander and Young went, we can't crack the American market. Mm. We're going to hand you over to the... Um, the, you know, the American producers who mm. can turn you into the insane um, sort of beast they became. There you go. Yeah. So other tunes that were 
massive that year that we're not going to play. I'm going yeah. to do my also answer in a minute, but obviously Abel were still riding high. Yeah, they were. With Arrival and all that yeah. stuff. Um, Tina Charles, Brotherhood of Man, who I mentioned before. Boys Are Back in Town was uh, 1976. <gasps> Thin Lizzy. Thin Lizzy. So <sighs> I thought about maybe playing a Thin Lizzy tune. They're a cracking band, aren't they? Demis Roussos was big. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was that after Aphrodite's Child? Yeah. Yeah. So Forever and Ever, whatever that song's called. Uh, Leo Sayer was big. Do you remember him with the big curly uh, hair? Yeah, he sort of pops up on um, Australian TV all the time. because he moved to Oz, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure about him. And Shawaddy Waddy. So there's that okay. little bit of that kind of rock and roll throwback stuff happening okay. if you know the, that band. Any, yeah. any Brits will know what I'm talking about. Well, I'm going to play some more surrounds, I yep. guess. There was a little bit of a fashion for doing songs like this, which was spoken word, schmaltzy, Cowboy, country kind of songs. Oh, okay. And there were a few. There was Convoy, if you know that song. But there's this one which I've discovered, um, which is you might need to reach for a sick bag for this one. (laughs) Now, our little boy came up to his mama in the kitchen this evening while she was fixing supper. And he handed her a piece of paper he'd been writing on. And after wiping her hands on her apron, she read it. And this is what it said. For mowing the lawn, five dollars. For making my own bed this week, one dollar. Going to the store, fifty cents. And playing with little brother while you went shopping, 25 cents. Taking out the trash, one dollar. And getting a good report card, five dollars. And for raking the yard, two dollars. Total load, 14.75. Well, as Mum looked at them standing there expectantly, and I could see the memories flashing through her mind. And so she picked up the pen and turning the paper over. This is what she wrote. For the nine months I carried you, growing inside me, no charge. For the nights I've sat up with you, doctored you, and prayed for you, no charge. For the time and the tears that you caused through the years, there's no charge. <laughs> what was that? I mean, that because that was a hit. Oh, that was a God. hit. <laughs> that, that was could, a fucking That can go hit. to the cutting room for that one, <laughs> yeah, Okay, all right, probably. I'm going to play a bit of this because he's so good. This one's for Steve Davis.
amazing bit of uh, TV music for the BBC Snooker. Which oh, is, uh, it's okay. the, the Doug Wood band, a song called Drag Racer, which was used okay. in Snooker for years. Yeah. I just love that tune. It's so good. Now, I'll finish up with my final one then. Yep. Everyone knows that I'm Stranded was the first sort of big punk song that was uh, out there. Yeah, by the Saints. Yeah, but this was the first UK punk tune Ooh, okay. that just beat the Sex Pistols. Yeah. Uh, it was released towards the end of 76, but just right. before the Sex Pistols came out. So you might know this. Is she really going out with him? Year number six. Song six. That's the Damned. Oh, okay. New Rose, New Rose. Yeah, yeah, right. On Stiff Records. Yeah, okay. So considered to be the first British sort of punk band. Yeah. I know the name, the Damned. I must say I don't know their, Dave their music. They got a bit gothier when they, a bit yeah. later. They were, yep. looked, if you look at them a few years later, they definitely look gothy, or Dave Vanian does. And Captain Sensible was in them as well. Oh, yeah, okay. Rat Scabies was the Yeah, okay, so okay. Some of those names. And we're talking about producers before. New yeah. Rose was produced by Nick Lowe, who we've mentioned before. Um, Stiff Records, Nick Lowe. Yeah, you played him, didn't you? What's so funny about Peace, Love and Understanding? There you go. So yeah. he, he produced the first damn record. Kind of cool, bouncy thing. It would be 
remiss of us not to play a bit of early punk. Yeah, right. British punk singer 76 is uh, yes. pretty much the, the birth of all that stuff. So. Yeah, on the cutting edge before the Sex Whistles. The Pistols were fucking around with all their record labels and things, weren't they, around that time getting dropped before um, Nevermind the Bollocks came out the next year. So classic, classic time. I reckon he would have worn a kilt as well, probably. Dave Vanian at some point. <laughs> Right. I've just blocked out that entire <laughs> intro to the show just okay. to confirm you were serious. I right? was serious. Okay. My doctor can confirm this. Yeah. Okay, well, is that us done for 76 and for season 10? And season 10, we're done. We're it's done. been an epic um, season. Great to have a guest back Yeah. with Gaz Coombs. Wasn't he good? Yep, great. We might have something pop up. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see how we go. Yeah, won't we? we've got a few things on the cards, so I yeah. uh, don't want to pr- make any promises. But no, uh, we're going to have a little break from now and um, see you when we get back. Season eleven. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Happy New Year. Year. We'll see, see you in twenty twenty four. See you next time. I've got time for one more round and a six pack to go. Six pack. One six pack to go.